Welcome to Women in B2B Marketing, a show where CMOs, VPs of marketing, and all strong women leaders in B2B discuss their top tactics, strategies, and tips for building high-performing teams, leveraging trends, and ultimately rocking their marketing careers. Made by and for women, insightful for all. I'm your host and 15-year B2B marketer, Jane Sarah. Let's dive in. Okay. Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining us today on Women in B2B Marketing. Today, we have with us Perna Virji, Principal Consultant, Content Solutions at LinkedIn, also the 2019 U.S. Search Personality of the Year, and you'll see why. And now, newly added to this list of accomplishments is author of High Impact Content Marketing. So thank you so much for joining us today, Perna. Excited to dive in all about content and a few other things, I'm sure. Thank you for having me, Jane. I've been so excited about this. Yeah, so excited to reconnect. And just background for everybody else. I met Perna probably six, seven years ago now, probably at first. Um, Back in my agency days, Perna was working on the Microsoft advertising side of the world. And she was one of the people we loved coming in to speak to our customers because she brought great stories, great actionable items, uh, actionable takeaways that they can apply to improve their success with Microsoft ads. It was just great and a breath of fresh air having Perna as a partner to come and work with us and speak and basically workshop with all of our customers. So excited for some of that to to come back today and, and kind of workshop with us here on the content side of the world. Those were super fun. And so thank you for always making me feel so welcome. I will confess. I'm like, oh, what new cool thing can I come up with? So that tenuity and Jane will invite me back. And so thanks for being (laughs) a good motivator to create good content. (laughs) So amazing. Yeah, Perna was our favorite for sure. So let's dive into things, Perna. Um, First, you just are releasing every pre-sales open now. I'll put the link in show notes, but your new book. So High Impact Content Marketing. I have that title, right? Yeah. Okay. How did you get into this and writing the book and, and getting this out there? What made you see the gap that needed this book out there? So it was one of those like life's very lucky serendipitous moments where I've done a couple of events in the UK. Like as part of my role at Microsoft, I would travel quite a lot. And then I started at LinkedIn focusing more on on content marketing, much more officially. And I got an email one day from Stephen from Kogan Page, my publisher. I was like, hello, this is Stephen from Kogan Page, blah, blah, blah. I've seen you around speaking. Like, would you like to write a book about content marketing aimed at practitioners? And I'm like, yes. I mean, I've been reading like Shonda Rhimes' book about like saying yes to opportunities because at first I could think of like a thousand reasons. I'm like, I work in tech. I work really long hours, right? Like there's, where's the time? And am I, then you go through your own, like, am I the right person? Like, do I have anything of value to say? And you you go through in your head, but then I was like, no, I should say yes to this because God knows like I will never, opportunities like this don't fall into your lap often. And so I was like, I'm just going to say yes. And then of course I I was like, yeah, I'd love to learn more. Tell me about it and so on. And then I went to my manager and LinkedIn. I'm like, hey boss, I got this offer. Like, can I do it? And they were so encouraging. Like my leadership at LinkedIn were so, they were like, yes, you should do it. And they actually gave me the courage to go out and do it. And like, you know, they're like, whatever you need. So that was very, it felt like the universe just made this happen. Like I did, I just 
then I started writing it and then I was like, oh my God, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <Privacy> <laughs> ever, and I gave birth as well. And I'm like, this is more painful. But, <laughs> but now it's coming so out there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it probably is an exact comparison, right? To, to being a mom and giving birth and <laughs> the ups and downs of the entire journey. <laughs> exactly. I mean, Overall, like now, as time passes, you forget the the pain of of labor, and, and you just remember, like, oh, it was so good. I got you into because one of my favorite things to do is to is to learn, and then when you teach others, you actually end up learning a lot more. Yes. And I ended up interviewing like dozens of people who are a hundred plus times smarter and better than me and getting to learn from them and channeling all of their input and putting it in the book. I feel like I'm a better marketer as a result of writing this book. Um, Plus you learn a lot about yourself, right? Because you learn to grapple, you learn how you can motivate yourself. You go to these, it's not easy. And so then you go to like dark places where I'm like, oh my gosh, Will anybody apart from like my mom read it and so on? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, that's valuable. And then it's ups and downs. But overall, I would say I really, I'm so grateful I got to do it. I really love the book. I learned so much. And like ultimately, I wrote the book that I wish I had had as a marketer or I wish somebody had like given this to me. And that's all yeah. my processes because I have marketed content for 20 years now, first as a journalist then working agency side, then working in-house, then at a search engine. <laughs> Wow. Not just so social media perspectives platform. of content I know, like marketing. I've checked everything. Yeah. Uh, so I've, I've seen content from all sides. I'm like, what have I learned? What have I learned from working with like product marketing? What have I learned from working with learning and development? And what are these awesome principles that make me successful in some of the stuff that I do? I try to piece all of it together and document it. And I was like, if I can help just one person like accelerate their path to success, I'll feel really good about it. Yeah, that's amazing. And what date does the your book come out july 3rd oh you're so lovely (laughs) i'm just so excited for you this is such an amazing accomplishment i have not done this myself so i can't say i i know what it's like but i can imagine i think i can the amount of work and effort and emotions that go into this and it probably how long did it take you if you don't mind me asking yes well the end-to-end overall about just under a year um, to do it while working full time and so on. But if I had to count like the actual amount of time that I spent on it, I mean, it was still, I'm glad I did it over a year because there were so many interviews and you want to do so much research and however, like across like five industries as well. And like I'm talking like product people in depth and like companies like Google and Uber and I'm talking to like agency people. And then I talked to people who've been in marketing for like 60 plus years and getting their take from all over the world. It was super cool. So yeah, it took me end to end just under a year to do it yeah and I still can't believe it's done yeah. <laughs> like wait every weekend I go back and I'm like okay breakfast done now time to go write and then I'm like nope I don't have to write today book number two no, I'm just kidding <laughs> give yourself a break to breathe <laughs> well let me see if the public even wants it so. right. <laughs> I'm sure they will because I'm so excited I- I'm definitely going to purchase this as soon as it's out or actually pre-sale again I'll put the link in show notes But this is amazing. What would you say? I want to get into your story too and your path coming here. Because like you said, you've been in all of these different sides of the coin and different perspectives you bring to the table. But before we do that, I want to dive a little more into the book. 
And if you can share a couple of key takeaways, your favorite tidbits from the book, or even just one, I'd be curious, like what's a one main takeaway from the book that you you were excited to include? Oh my gosh, it's so hard to limit it to one. But I think one of the things that yeah. was really important to me was inclusion. And so I have a whole chapter and like everyone talks about it and you hear like everybody does the horse and pony show about like the DEI and like why it's important, like diversity, equality, inclusion, like why it's all important. But there's very little on how, or I find a lot of people talk about the how in terms of accessibility, which is so important. And that's, I'm glad the conversation's there, but there's a lot more that content marketers can do. And I almost make the case that what we do really matters, right? What we put out into the world in our content and our imagery, it either reinforces or it can break stereotypes. So how do we yeah. pay attention to things like the, the wording that we use or what could be accidental exclusions that we may not even realize are happening in our words, in our language, in our visuals, and even in things like content that people don't think of as content. I'll give you an example of that is let's say your your form, right? So many people are like, oh, we look at most forms now when you're filling out details and there'll be your race or ethnicity question. It'll be like, then you choose one. It's like five things and choose one. But if we look at Generation Z, for example, they are the most racially diverse generation that has ever existed. And why have them choose one or identify with one part of the identity, right? People multi being multi-ethnic or multi-racial is so, so much yeah. more common now like let people choose that so if you're having people like not people don't think about that question because it's just one of those standard questions in every form or like even with gender right there's just it's still yeah, yeah. so binary like male or female like, why why are we not allowing people to feel seen and feel like they matter and so yeah, that's yeah. technically content it could be part of even order forms and so on tied to content but we don't think of it so that's probably the one thing that I would would say that I haven't seen many people talk about yet and I hope more people start to talk about it because yeah. it is so important right we can everything we do as marketers is we have so much more power than we realize that's so true and you're right I hear I hear a lot about DEI and I read what I can but it's very high level I'm fully bought into the high level stuff but the tactical how to do this and how to incorporate um, DEI thinking and initiatives into your content and what you're putting out there. It's hard to know where to get started for some people in some places. So yeah, the, the how-to would be amazing to read. So very much looking forward to reading that in your book. Do you have, I mean, with the form is one way, like making sure you're thinking that. Do you think that's a place to start is really just to have that mindset and have that uh, being aware. Awareness is typically the first step of everything, right? Being aware of DEI initiatives and keeping that in mind as you're creating anything. Is that step one or is there something more to it or step two of the how-to behind this? I think one is just to be aware of it that, you know, that there is stuff that you can do. A lot of people, as you said, they're either not sure where to start or they're worried about making a mistake. And so then they just yes. try to do the same safe area. And we're like, it's not okay anymore to do that. As we see people's mindsets changing and so on, like at some point, you don't want to just be in business like 
a year or two, right? Most people, you want to be in business, you want to build something meaningful that can last. And so one way to last is to make sure that you're speaking to all your audience. So this, the same thing is one, be aware that how people have always talked may not necessarily be how we want to keep always talking. And there could be different audience yeah. needs that we need to address and so on. So maybe sometimes it's even understanding your audience, like who's made up in your audience, like what could their different needs be? And sometimes solving for one person's need. It's a, there's a design thinking principle. They call it like, I think design for one, solve for many. I'm completely, it's not my quote. So I don't yeah. know, but it is so true. And some, when something is built very authentically for one type of community, it can resonate. Let's take the movie, like my big fat Greek wedding or Encounter, where it was so obviously written about like one particular, like, culture and the family and people might think like oh no one else would resonate but it was so authentic in its portrayal and of that culture and that people that it resonated with everyone right we all felt like we could all relate like I'm Indian I'm not Greek but I'm looking at like my big fat Greek wedding and the family dynamics I'm like oh my gosh I exactly have an aunt like that or I yeah. you know oh my god my dad would say the same thing you could relate it felt such a human experience so yeah in kind of understanding that what you can, like it has legs and it is worth doing is another realization too, where people are like, is it worth the risk? And it's like, heck yeah. Yeah. And now I really want to go watch my big fat Greek wedding again too. That used to be the one that you watch and repeat or always on TBS too, right, Reba? And so. <laughs> and you never get bored watching it. I mean, those are some never. Good you catch a new joke every time you watch it. <laughs> This is amazing too. And you touched on this a little bit with forms, but I don't know if you touch on this in the book at all, but curious what your stance is. I have to ask a content marketer what your stance is on forms, gating content, not gating content. Do you have any thoughts on that? I think it really matters on the value to the audience that you're providing. Like if it's going to be some like low value stuff that they can go out there and just do a quick search for it or, or ask chat GPT for the answer yeah. and get it easily, then why would they want to give you you their like personally identifiable information in exchange for it, right? If there's something that's incredibly high value for the audience and the value exchange is clear, then by all means, go ahead and gauge it because that's going to help you with that. So if you start with your audience and think about the value to them, like that will steer you in the right direction. Like very often, if we take off our marketer hat and we sit there just as our consumer side, we'll be like, oh, this is annoying. Like we don't like this marketing. But then we wear our marketer hat on and we're like, oh, but that's the data that we can get so let's just do that and <laughs> so true. funny where it's like almost sometimes like don't think like a marketer think like your audience think like your consumer yeah i love that don't think like a marketer it's so no, true. I mean, true be a marketer but I mean... sometimes like think like your audience <laughs> Yeah, it's good to put pause sometimes and just put yourself in the shoes of your ICP, right? Yeah. Is that kind of the secret to making your content high impact? Or what would you say is the recipe for success there? It is to focus on things that have never changed over time. Like things change all the time. People are like, what's going to change? And like, what doesn't change is you root your strategy in human behavior, because that is the one continuous thing that hasn't changed. Like century after century, like we still enthralled by curiosity. Like surprise will still supercharge our other emotions. Mm. Um, what appeals to people doesn't change. And so, I mean, if I had to break it down to like one thing, and I say this all the time, whether 
through my day job or in my book is when you start writing your content or you want to start writing your content, don't start by thinking like, what is it that I want to say? You have to start thinking by what will my audience like want or need to hear? And it's like that one simple mental shift. And then how do you get to your answers for what does my audience want or need to hear is that you really go in and study them. And We've heard this advice, like this is not new advice, right? It's like all of the best practices are best practices for a reason, but they're too superficial. Like that was my issue with the, or, you know, stuff that even I've heard over time. Cause like, I'm a very, like, I, I love strategies and then I'm really good at executing. And so then I'm trying to, I map out the plan in my head. I'm like, okay, this is a really great idea. How do I bring it to life? And then sometimes I just get stuck. I'm like, what does it really mean to like interview my audience? It's just a survey is easy. Is that enough? Or like, why not? Yeah. Why do something more? And so then I go into, I have like a whole chapter and like exactly all the different ways that you can do to study your audience and get a whole fully mm. grounded experience in a way that is not too exhausting on you, but it will be, it'll be so worth it to set you up with this incredibly strong foundation of what you can build. So it is focus on people, focus on your people, because even sometimes people say that, oh, you know, everybody on like TikTok only watches X kind of videos. And that may not be the case for your audience, right? The way your audience yes. uses the platform is not the, maybe it's different from the main use of the platform. I mean, certainly if we remember Facebook, like certainly when I was like young and on Facebook, I was like horrified when like my parents or my grandparents joined yes. Facebook. I'm like, oh my God, like I don't want to friend my friend them or not. And it's, yep. and then I look how they <laughs> use it is so different. That it's I mean, so not, true. Not, I remember joke. that fear vividly. <laughs> I was only obviously joking in that sense, but you know, like sometimes like I may use the platform very differently for something else yeah. for research than for somebody, somebody else or, or different for the main use. So you have to know your audience. So that way, you know what they're, when you know how to reach them or the best place to reach them where they'll be receptive. That's so true. And I, you're making me think of, so TikTok, you're right. Everybody is talk, still talking about TikTok. Who knows if it will still be here? Probably will. But it, people are always thinking that the audience there is, of course, very young and it has to be this entertaining, jokey, dance kind of content if you get on there. But in a B2B space, that's obviously not for most. I mean, for some that is on brand and that's great. That's fun. Congrats to you if that's your brand. But it's for most of us, it's how do we get out there if we want to get in this and test out this platform. There's one person that I follow on LinkedIn. I'll put his link in show notes. I want to say his name is Mason Cosby. Sorry if I'm butchering your name, friend. But it, he created TikToks that he then shares on LinkedIn, which genius right there. But he doesn't do any of that hokey, like dancing, singing kind of stuff. He shares advice and walks through things that he's learned as he's learned it. So different tools that he's used or anything that he's learned to, that makes something more efficient. And it just in Instantly, he's helped me do two things already this week, just following his TikToks on LinkedIn. So it's, you're right. You don't have to subscribe to the way that it's quote unquote supposed to be on that channel. You mm -hmm. just have to think about who your audience is, in his case, B2B marketers, and what they want to see, regardless of the medium. Like this is actually making me want to join TikTok too, because I'm seeing this kind of content lives there. And it's not just dances. Yeah, it's not just dances, right? I mean, one of the things that I love on TikTok are like recipes. I guess 
some of the best yeah. recipes on TikTok and that most people don't think and they're not singing and dancing. It's a, in fact, like there's this, like, this Italian grandmom who cooks and she shares her recipes that she's cooked Aww. for like six years. And it's like, it's, that's like my, my favorite TikTok accounts to follow. Or there's sometimes there's a young like college kid who talks about how he can make these meals like really inexpensively and quickly. And so like I save them up because like my son's 16, like at some point he's going to go to college. I'm like, let me try some of these recipes, make sure he he's learning Aww. them and so on. So I love no that. Would have maybe necessarily thought like I'm watching uh, a college kid talk about like cooking on a budget and easy meals and you can cook in a college room with equipment. But I'm like, I'm totally watching that. And you know, my son, like if we can practice some of the recipes so he will be a self-sufficient adult when he's off yeah. to college. I wonder if the if that brand or that person even knows that this is their secondary audience, the moms. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully they're listening. Definitely not, but <laughs> new avenue. That's so great. Yeah. So th the one thing that's tried and true is keeping an eye on your audience. It goes back to that, that saying the what's in it for me, right? Only it's thinking about your audience, like what's in it for them? What can you provide them? What do they want to see and hear and making sure you're delivering on that? Because it is so hard to get caught up in your goals and the agendas you want to push and features getting caught up in features instead of benefits and tips and what your audience wants to see. So kind of reining that back in and getting back to the core of just remembering to think like your audience and serving. I'm also very excited to tap into this chapter and read this chapter when it comes out because again, where do you begin? There's surveys. I love doing surveys, but it's also, you can't do them too often. You can't tap them out. And it, you always get this fear that you're going to forget a really important question on the survey. <laughs> and then you have to wait until next year or whenever you do the next round of surveys to get that back. So it's great if there's, there's other ways to just study your audience. That'll be a really cool chapter to look into. Yeah, there's lots of ways. In fact, like a survey is only a small fraction of the picture that you can use to fill in. And that's just much more and like actually like just speaking with former customers and so on that you can get such rich learnings from that. That would be good. And like one of the cool learnings you'll inevitably end up finding like a I would say more times than not, you'll find that you need far less content than you thought you did. So often people are like, oh my gosh, I just need to create like all of this content. I'm like, actually, no, if you had a few things that did their job really, really well, then you don't need to be creating as much. So it's worth it to invest your time to create a few good things and then use them really effectively. And then you'll be doing less work and still have more success, which is, isn't everybody's like official 2023's anthem is yeah. do more with less. Like 2020 was social distancing and like 2023 is like do more with less. So true. I think I, I say so... that on every episode too, because that, that is the mantra that nobody wanted this year. <laughs> I know, I'm just waiting for the mantra of the year to be like, sit on your couch and do nothing and vegetate right. <laughs> and make money. And I was like, please, can you tell me the anti-hustle culture secrets? Right. <laughs> Maybe that's the next one. The anti-hustle <laughs> revenue driver. <laughs> if I can figure out that secret, I will share it for sure. And if anybody Book else number two. Out, please share it with me. Yeah. Coming 2024. Yeah, <laughs> that's so true. But that's, I love that because everyone does get caught up in this content machine. You're right. Like we just churn out more and more and more. The answer is always more new content. I know with my team right now, we're working on the distribution side of things right now and repurposing. Repurposing is basically our, our word of the year internally so that we can just get a lot more out there or more value out of what we have. Cause we have some great content, but it's just hard to get eyes on it. Right. And it, it, 
how can you repurpose this into different formats on different channels or tweak it so that it does get more engagement? Like what's finding out what's wrong that isn't resonating if it's not quite performing the way you intended. So repurposing, definitely our, our mantra at Just Duno right now. <laughs> I love that you said that though, Jane, where you said like, if something didn't perform as well, like just figuring out why too often we'll see marketers, it's treat their content almost like Kleenex. Like, oh, this, we threw it out there. It didn't work. Chuck it. We're like, oh, no, you're giving up way too soon on your content. Like maybe it just wasn't the right time or the right format or the right platform, right? There's so many things that, or, you know, there could have been like small tweaks that could make it go, you know, even further. So I love that you say that and you use that. And yeah, repurposing is so smart. Like we need to do more out of our work. Yes. Get it the eyes that it deserves change that hook, tweak the angle, add in an influencer to give some new perspective to it. There's so many ways to give life back to your content. Exactly. I agree. It can live many lifetimes and not just one. Mm -hmm. It's also great from an SEO perspective, right? Update that content, keep it there, make it evergreen, keep expanding on it and don't create new content that ends up just competing with your existing content. (laughs) So I want to pause. I'm sure I have a million more questions on the book side and high impact content, but curious if we can take a, a few steps back and hear the path of Purna and how you got into the role you're in now and your path to, to your current position. Sure. And in fact, it's uh, super nonlinear. It's like everything in life I find it's very like serendipity has been the official word of this. So I started off in journalism. So I did my master's in journalism. I'd worked in theater. I moved when I moved to Philadelphia. I was working in in our PBS affiliate station here. And there's, there's two in Philly. One is like the really big one that everyone watches. And then there's a smaller one that fewer people watch. I work for the smaller one that few people watch, but it was the coolest. It was an awesome team. We got, I got to produce like a, a nightly talk show. Oh, uh, so cool. Like some of this. Yeah, it was awesome. So I really, really loved it. Then I moved over. I had my son. My son was born with some health issues. And so I realized like the life of a TV producer where you don't really know your hours, you work really long hours, you don't know your schedule. Well, it just wasn't sustainable. And so I was like, let me cross over to what I thought at that time in my idealistic journalist mind was like, let me cross over to the dark side of PR and the dark side has better hours and pays more money and it's awesome. And and so I moved to this agency as their like second PR person. And I quickly realized that I wasn't really busy enough. And I'm like, oh crap, I I need this job. I've got an unwell baby. Are you Health insurance is important, so it's being yeah. And so then I was talking to my best friend who was in London, and she was working for AOL at the time, which was mm-hmm. super big, like 20 plus years yes. ago now, as you can imagine. And she was like, well, I'm doing this thing called SEO. Like, why don't you get into it? Yes, and yes. I did. And th- that was the time when, you know, DMAs listings <laughs> were the cool thing, and you could just keyword stuff. It was like the good old early days of SEO. And like, I just learned everything that I could from the likes of like Rand Fishkin and Will Reynolds. And yeah. then I heard about that my friend moved to an agency, and she's like, I'm doing this thing called AdWords, Berta. You should do it too. And I'm like, <laughs> yay. And so in any case, I had gone and pitched my CEO at the agency at that time. I was like super young and you have that courage and gumption when you are young. Gumption, good word for it. Yeah. (laughs) We walk into my CEO's office and be like, you know, hey boss, I have this idea for some offerings that we could do. Like I'm not, I'm not really like billing many hours. It was like, what if I started this thing called SEO and AdWords and he was like, try it for us. If it works for us, then maybe I'll let you. And um, it worked. 
for us, it, it, I try to do it. Then he's like, Pernata, you need to learn how to sell it. Like our salespeople don't know this. They don't know how to go sell it. So go sell it. And that's how I got started with speaking, where I went to wow. the Builders League of South Jersey or the World Recover with this. And I started talking about like SEO and AdWords. And so anyway, long story short, I realized I really do like that a lot. I like speaking. I like teaching others. And that was my passion. And then I moved in-house. I was encouraged to do more of that. And then through speaking, through writing, and then like Microsoft had... Uh, headhunted me because somebody from my friend who had met at different events and so on they're like hey we're putting together a brand new team at Microsoft do you want to come explore this and I was like heck yes like why not and first I was like really you know I've been startup or like small SMB my whole career like is it like up to that point like would it be super weird and I talked to like Dwayne Forrester and he was like Perna it's a different universe but it's a very friendly universe and like it and I'm so grateful I did so in any case the rest is history. So I've been at Microsoft for a very long time. I was got to go and engage with different businesses and so on. So I touched on B2B, B2C, D2C, like all of it touched everything. I was very lucky in that role to get a really diverse set of experiences and exposure to different types of businesses. And then when like LinkedIn had this job opening, I had a friend of mine who'd moved from Microsoft to LinkedIn and she was like, you should really come here. It's a great job. And and so luckily something opened up that was exactly what I wanted to do and wow. threw my hat in the ring. I was very really grateful that uh, I am here. So that's how I it landed sounds... up very, very serendipitously. Yeah, serendipity. And it's almost as if you've manifested each of your positions. Just from hearing you talk through it, it's like you knew what was getting you excited and what you were passionate about in each juncture. And it just appeared. It's like you are manifestation embodied. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I should try more. Like, maybe. Um, but yeah, maybe that's what it is. Because I, I had a set idea. Like I knew that in my heart. Uh, so when my son was born with a lot of health issues, like not to get too personal, but it was I had really bad like postpartum because it was so like he was mm. in the NICU for three months and like every day uh. I'd go and they'd be like you have to be prepared for the worst at all times and so, so it was just so hard and I just feel yeah. really down and something that I realized that the only thing that made me feel better was being of service and I would like go and help others and do like charitable stuff and so on and that was the only thing that was like oh I should feel a little better from doing this and then you yeah. almost tap into your purpose. And I'm like, okay, the way that I should be of purpose is of educating and sharing and like lifting others. And that's when I found, and I'm like, I love to learn and I love aha moments and I want to give others aha. And so that's been the thread that's been in common of all my roles. And I've just tried to find ways to do it. So maybe that's what it is. Love like you that. find your purpose and then the manifestation just maybe yeah. happens. So you follow that, you follow your purpose. You follow You're your like- purpose. The original Jay Shetty. <laughs> <laughs> I was never a monk. Certainly bumps along the way, like we all learn and you work yeah. incredibly, incredibly hard for it. And yeah, put in the work, Make hopefully the universe will come along. Yeah. Do you, and you touched on this too, but switching from the SMB world into enterprise and large brands like Microsoft and LinkedIn, what was the biggest shift for you in in those two worlds? Like what's the biggest difference for those who have only been in one and are curious about the other? Well, the first was like, oh, there's this different teams that do that because I was so used to wearing multiple hats. And so then I'm like, oh, and I'll just do this. And they'll be like, oh, no, don't worry about that. Word. There's like this other team that does it. I'm like, really? That's so cool. Yeah. And so in the beginning, it was also kind of nice. But then it also felt weird for me to learn how to actually stay in your box a little. Yeah. Uh, but then I'm like, wait, if I connected those dots, 
we could all benefit. And so I tried to grow my career through partnerships and like, let me connect this dot to that dot. And have you seen it? And what do you come together? And so I'm so grateful that I did the startup SMB smaller company stuff first, because I got to touch so many different elements and see how they work together and learn so much that I feel like I'm much more effective in my role at the company. So I still bring some of that spirit and like, they're so welcoming to it. Like people think that, oh, you know, you just stay in your body. I was talking to another founder the other day and he was like, oh, I always just thought like corporate people, like you have your SOPs and then you've just followed that. I'm like, no, like that's not the case. Like there's certainly encouragement and experimentation. At least that's the culture at both like LinkedIn and Microsoft. I've been very fortunate to be on teams where they encourage like innovation and go out. In fact, one of the things I put together at LinkedIn was I came in and I was like, oh, I identified like this need. And I was like, boss, like, can I go and do this? He was like, oh, that's a cool idea. Go play it out and learn and so on. And I'm like, great, I'll go do it. And I come back with a plan. And it's so much encouragement, which is which is really lovely. Yeah, that's refreshing to hear because you do often hear of all the red tape at, at big brands, right? Where you're not able to do X, Y, Z. But that's really refreshing to hear that at LinkedIn and Microsoft, there's still that encouragement of testing things out and going exploring, learning continuously. I mean, LinkedIn is all about learning. That's very much tied yeah. to the brand and sharing and community building. So that's great to hear. Yeah, just make the business case for what it is and like show them. And then, you know, certainly it's so much like content marketing as well right? Make the case, like show how everyone benefits, like show the win-win, show the path to revenue. And and then, you know, you're more likely to get that buy-in. So, I mean, certainly I've had ideas that have been like, just like not worked out or so on, but to have that, the encouragement to go out and, you know, even like raise something or propose is, is really lovely. Yeah. And And it's some red tape always exists, right? Like those, the things I'm like, oh my God, annual like review time. I'm like, do I have to write myself review? I'm like, I hate writing myself review. I'm like, I need to, we need to fund this business chain. This is our side hustle. Like we'll write your review for you. (laughs) Right. Well, chat GPT probably can now, right? (laughs) Oh, that's a good idea. I found a new use like when that comes, but I mean, honestly, if that is a really good spinoff to leverage AI, if you can get a tool specifically for that. It would definitely get a lot of views. <laughs> Input like a few different files that you have and it can spit out an actual summary for you. <laughs> I'd be so pleased. This is one of the there most like torturous things, but I don't like to it is. Like, you have to like, speak up about yourself and it's so uncomfortable as you're writing it. Yes. Like, oh. I don't know if that's a, a woman thing or if that is a marketer thing or both together is the magic mix. But I hate, and a lot of people I've talked to that are, are women in marketing, hate talking about themselves, hate writing about ourselves, hate talking about ourselves. Like the, we can talk about whatever subject matter is fine, but ourselves yeah. is the hardest for some reason. I know it's right. And like, that's what uh, I've been really lucky to have great mentors in life who are like, mm. you know, you have to like, you know, cause no one else is doing it for you. Yeah. And so you have to advocate for your work. And it's just one of those things that you just get okay with the uncomfortableness and then it just becomes routine and practice. And and because you're right, you are your best advocate. And sometimes it takes, people forget everyone's so busy. Like that's what I'm seeing. Like, yes. Time just keeps speeding up. More and more things are always on our plate. And so you're actually helping others by showcasing like, this was the impact that I had. This was, I love the word impact. So that's why it's even the book title. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> 
It's like, yeah, what was the impact that you had? And it's it's actually super exciting to talk about the work. Like I am so dorky and geeky that I really love my work. Like I love what I do. And so then getting to yeah. like, talk about it, I'll be like, look, this, this was so cool. It actually did well. It had this result or here's how we can make it better. Is a f- So I'm like, I try to think about it in that way, like about the work. I love that. Is impact your word of the year every year or one of your words of the year, just to always try to drive that impact and, and check how you can improve and expand your impact? It is. It is a big word for me because I always try to be very, like, when I'm doing something, I want to know, like, why am I doing it? Or like, what what outcome or what impact can I expect to drive? Because there's always more great ideas than we could ever hope to execute. I mean, that's a marketer mm-hmm. thing for sure, but it's, I mean, pretty much any industry. So then if I'm trying to choose, like, what if I have option A or option B, I'll start with the outcomes. Like, what am I hoping to drive? Or what's the impact that I each could mm. yield and then it you can take a subjective discussion and like turn it into a more objective decision to make it's like okay let's look back at that so even when I'm creating any piece of content I'm like well not to quote like Simon Sinek but like literally like start with the why like what do I hope to accomplish like why am I creating this additional blog post or am I just creating a white paper because like the boss said to do it or like five competitors are doing it or so let's say we have to create the white paper like what do we want out of it at the end and if I yeah. start with that filter in mind, then I can work backwards to make sure that everything I create is going to tie back into that outcome. And so then I'll think about the outcome, the impact first. Love that. If curious, as somebody who works at LinkedIn, how do you feel about the creator movement really on LinkedIn, like creating and sharing on LinkedIn, the distribution side? How do you apply all of your strategies and into creating and sharing on LinkedIn itself? I'm sure you leverage the platform tenfold. For sure. Like more so with the programs and all that we build. Well, one, LinkedIn is such an incredible platform itself. And people come to LinkedIn as well as a way to to learn and to grow. And like they see it as an investment of their time. And like certainly like I do as well personally. Like I'm always there learning, uh, growing like you and I got to chat and reconnect again. So true. Yeah. And so I am so grateful for it. Like I spend so much time on it every day and like more creators coming on and sharing their wisdom. It's only gonna enrich the experience for everyone on the platform. So do I apply some of my tactics yes absolutely so in the program so I, I lead a global program it's essentially like a content-based program I also advise our some of our advertisers on how they can build better content to drive more impact for their business on via the platform so I Ooh, I need to tap you for that content. after the call <laughs> for sure I'm happy to share wow but that's amazing. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Anything else on how you leverage LinkedIn? Well, I think post more often, but no, nothing else at this point. Yeah, it's just so interesting to hear how LinkedIn can be leveraged itself for LinkedIn and also just to spread the education and obviously sharing of content and creating this community. I almost feel like LinkedIn is at least to me, what Facebook was to me like 10 years ago, where like you said, we got to connect, you and I got to connect. I don't really get that on Facebook, but back when I first joined, that's what Facebook was all about, like reconnecting with people from high school and like people from years ago. And it was like that for a while. And now I feel like I don't 
accept any friend requests on linked on um, Facebook anymore. But LinkedIn every day, I connect with new people. And that's where I'm growing more of a community and definitely learning every day there. So it's interesting just how it's evolved as to the purpose. Like it's not just for business networking, which is where it kind of started out and like an online resume. And now it's much more like I scroll LinkedIn more than any other social channel that I'm on. That's where I'm on. That's where I connect with people and learn. So just interesting the evolution I love hearing that of course and <laughs> I, I do too like I'm on LinkedIn like all the time I feel like I learn so much and it's great for like, everyone to go in whether it's through LinkedIn learning or just reading through like, finding the people to follow and you know if you're ever in doubt on whom to follow like LinkedIn publishes like top voices lists as well and so you can find like really awesome awesome people to follow and learn from in your community others uh, yeah yeah. I'm so grateful for it. Not just because I work there, but even as a sort of take out my employee hat, but just as a yeah. regular human hat. Yes, and sir. it's, it, I genuinely am on it every single day, all the time spending hours on it. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. I wonder, I know we have to wrap up soon, but one thing I wanted to get to is aside from annual reviews, can you walk us through your biggest career hurdle or anything that comes to mind that you've overcome through your journey? We've all been through like at this point, a layoff or two like that. Those are always hard when that happens, when you're redundant, especially working in like a startup or something. Sometimes it's heartbreaking. Yeah. But then just just keep going. And yeah, I think that was like the book's probably the hardest thing that I've done. But keep going. Yeah. And I think if I had to give anyone like advice on getting through is having a good mentor. And then also mentoring others. It's like one of my favorite tips to give to people. Because yes, it's awesome to be mentored. But the value that you get in mentoring others and seeing others really like blossom or, or yeah. grow through your advice or like hit their goals. I think for me, there's nothing more deeply satisfying than ever. Like I love my mentees and like I, I would want the best for them. And just watching them succeed has been the best thing ever. So I think if I had to give anyone yeah, advice yeah. to everything is just find yourself a mentor and find an opportunity to give back and mentor others. It's you will not regret it. How have you found your mentors and mentees? How have you connected on either end? So with mentors, I have gone after people who I've thought were like super amazing. And I've literally gone to them and said, listen, I think like you're just so incredible. And I really love how you do X, Y, and Z. And I guess it's more helpful to be specific, but like, you know, I am really looking for help with whatever mm. it can be like executive presence or like negotiating or, you know, advocating for myself at or whatever the situation is that you're looking for, like building my personal brand or so on. And I'm like, yeah. you know, I would love, like, would you ever be open to spending some time chatting with me about this? And more often than not, they will say yes, because people are generally much more kind than we'd even ever expect. So i uh, do that. And then how I found my mentees was I started through Microsoft. I would lead a women in leadership mentorship ring. Uh, and then I would, LinkedIn has an impact in the program. So I have mentees through that. And then it's through unofficially where people are like, Bruna, we've seen you speak. We want to get better at public speaking. Like, would you ever consider taking me on as a mentee? And I'm like, of course, like I love this stuff. So then I'll have some either through people like I've kind of worked with before yeah. or they've seen, you know, like we want to do this. And so that, that is really awesome. 
definitely recommend people check out some videos of Prina speaking. She's, as you can see, I'm, see, I'm sure from this episode, she's just great on stage and very engaging as with all of the content she creates. So big reason to check out her book because she does it herself and you can see the value of her content that she brings to the world. So thank you so much, Prina, for joining me today on today's episode. I will put everything in the show notes, all the links so everybody can find you there. And I assume the best place for people to connect with you would be LinkedIn. LinkedIn, of course. <laughs> Jane, thank you so much. This was so fun. I'm so glad we reconnected. Thanks to and for getting in touch and thanks all for listening. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. And everybody, be sure to like, comment, share, and review the episode uh, wherever you can. We appreciate all the love. Small growing show here. Thank you, everyone. See you next time. <laughs>